0: To a Hope 1032 podcast. American Airlines pilot Angelo Keane had just returned from a week long mission trip in Costa Rica, and he was fired up for action. Many of us know this feeling. Going to the front line, as it were, and seeing lives transformed by the gospel is enough to inspire even the most evangelistically reluctant Christian to get more involved in seeking the salvation of others. Captain Keane was anything but reluctant. Back at work, Angelo had wondered how he might apply his evangelistic zeal to his work life. He had an idea, a rather innovative one. As Flight 34 took off from Los Angeles, headed for JFK Airport in New York, the captain welcomed the passengers over the PA and then announced, Ladies and gentlemen, would all the Christians on board today please identify themselves by raising their hands? I can't imagine what I would have done. Anyway, Keene then urged the rest of the passengers to use the four-hour flight time to discuss Christianity with those who had identified themselves as Christians. He added that he'd also be keen to discuss the faith with any who were interested. The response from the others was not exactly what he hoped for. Passenger Amanda Nelligan recalls that in the course of his announcement, Captain Keene called non-Christians crazy for not believing in Christ. His words, she said felt like a threat. The reaction of others was similar. In the wake of September 11, people were worried this might be a veiled warning. Become a Christian now because I'm in charge of the plane, that sort of thing. Fearing the worst, several on board even tried to call relatives from their mobile phones before crew members assured them that everything was going to be fine. Of course, everything was fine. Captain Angelo Keane was just... Keen that others hear the gospel and he was willing to do whatever it took to get that gospel across to his audience. But Angelo Keen's keenness to speak to others about Jesus and to urge other believers to do the same raises a question many of us ask. Some ask out of zeal, others out of fear. When and how does the Lord expect me to speak to others about him? When and how Does the Lord expect me to speak to others about him? Now, I've already given two answers to this question. Some of us are evangelists and will declare the gospel in a focused way. And secondly, all of us are heralds of God's glory through our songs, prayers, readings and creeds in public praise. But there's a third answer to the question. Each of us who believe in Christ have the privilege and duty to give an answer for the faith when asked. There are two texts that make this perfectly clear. 1 Peter 315 15-16 and Colossians 4, 5-6. Let me quote both of them and then explore the gems that they offer us. 1 Peter 3:15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In Colossians four two to six, the apostle Paul says, "Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone." The apostle Peter's "Be prepared to give an answer" sounds very much like the apostle Paul's "Know how to answer everyone." You'd almost think that the two apostles got together on this issue to make sure that they told their congregations pretty much the same thing. Be ready and willing to answer those who don't yet believe. These passages tell us several important things about the privilege and responsibility we have to speak to others about our faith in Christ. Firstly, both texts make perfectly clear that all believers have a responsibility to answer for the faith. Unlike the exhortation to do the work of an evangelist in 2 Timothy 4.5, which is plainly directed to an evangelist and church leader, Timothy, our two passages were written to congregations as a whole, not to leaders in particular. The instructions of 1 Peter 3.15 and Colossians 4.6 apply to Christians generally. It's not a specific instruction to evangelists. Both apostles clearly expected believers of all kinds to be ready and willing to speak up for Christ to those who simply inquire about the faith. Paul goes further in the Colossians passage and creates a comparison between his own speech as a preaching apostle and the everyday speech of believers generally. If you have Colossians 4 open, fantastic. If not, let me just explain what I mean. Paul begins this paragraph by asking the Colossians to get involved in his mission by praying for him. He says, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Only then does he go on in verses 5 and 6 to urge the Colossians to give attention to their own mission among those who don't believe. And so he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What's fascinating? in terms of the connection between Paul's mission and our mission, is that there is a play on words in verses 3 and 6. The word message in verse 3 and the word conversation in verse 6 are exactly the same word in Greek. It's the term logos, which means word. So Paul literally says, pray that God may open for us a door for the word. And then he says, Let your word be always full of grace so that you may know how to answer everyone. I know that all sounds a little too technical, but the point is pretty important, I think. Paul is striking a comparison between the apostolic word of the gospel and the congregational word of everyday conversation. The effect of this symmetry, which is very obvious in Greek, is to create a thematic parallel between Paul's obligation to proclaim the gospel word and the congregation's duty to answer with the words of their everyday conversation. What bold proclamation is to evangelists, gracious answers are to believers in general. Both are activities filled with missionary significance. Not all of us will proclaim the gospel as Paul did. But all of us will answer for the gospel wherever opportunity allows. And God willing, sometimes those answers will powerfully affect those who hear us. In year nine, when I was about 15, I approached my school scripture teacher and asked her this question, what do you think God thinks of me? I now realized that was a stupid question to ask an intelligent Christian. She returned with these words. John, God sees everything you've done, said, and thought. And then she left a long pause. And I can remember thinking, Oh no, God knows everything I've done, said, and thought. But then she added, But he loves you all the same. Well, I thanked her for her words and went off. But those words stayed with me for weeks, over and over. I thought, God sees everything I've done, said and thought, but he still loves me. And quite seriously, that answer to my simple question was the beginning of my serious reflection on Jesus. My point is, never underestimate the power of giving a simple answer for the faith in daily conversation. 1032. Thanks for listening.